Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. I'm your host, Ben Perez. Right now would be about the time I would be introducing my good friend and co-host, CEO of All Things Now, Connor Larson. But Connor is out of the country this week. He is in on a business trip in Germany. And in his place, a worthy substitution, a worthy replacement for the week, my older brother, a very big sports fan and uh, very knowledgeable about the sport of football. We're going to talk about the NFL's Week 10 this week. Let me introduce my my guest today, my older brother, Zach Perez. It's Vicious Talk with Zachy P. <laughs> Zachy P. Zachy P. <laughs> no, you, you've, been, you've been on the podcast for less than a minute now and uh, you're already trying to rename it. I appreciate I appreciate the effort. <laughs> well, just like nobody calls me Zachy, nobody calls you Benny outside of the podcast. <laughs> Some people do. It was more of the sports, more in the sports world. Um, I used to say like more teammates and stuff like that, but you know me you know me my whole life so like it's not fair like there's some there's some instances that you know some people have called me benny (laughs) it's your stage name exactly exactly it's like like like, it's your bono like share like (laughs) yeah (laughs) week 11 it's week 11 we're off to a great start we're off to a great start week 11 we got our weeks wrong we got our names wrong did i say week 10 Jeez. yeah that's okay. We're week, already there. Yeah. We, yeah. It feels like week 10. Yeah. It's because it feels yeah. like week 10. Yeah. The NFL season, the 17 games is actually starting to feel like uh, it's, it's for whatever reason, it's only one week longer, but it just feels longer already. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know You're what it is. Already, it's, it's, you know what it was? It was, it was daylight saving time. <laughs> Bring forward. You're still back in week 10. Yeah. I, um, I also mm-hmm. hate that the fact that there's so many late, buys this season that week 14 buy for like a lot of key fantasy football teams are is just brutal it sucks like the nfl i i get the nfl could care less about fantasy football um and ske- for scheduling reasons but the fact that they have like so many key teams going on a buy like the week before playoff starts some some leagues start playoffs week 14 like yeah, that, that's pretty be- brutal Round one of the playoffs and your quarterback's out on a bye. Yeah, it's brutal. It's a, it it's it stinks, but it, it's just been the nature of this season. I, I wonder if they're going to make adjustments to that next year, but we'll see. Well, in Goodell, we trust, right? <laughs> not not at all. But in, in with with idealist idealistic values, I guess. But no, <laughs> Goodell's but Goodell is a close um, candidate or a very close candidate with you know. Rob, Rob Manfred and uh, and Bettman, the NHL commissioner, like to just they just have a triumvirate of just shitty commissioners of sports. It's like Roger Goodell, Rob Manfred, the Joker, and like Mussolini all hanging, out <laughs> comparing good ideas with each other. Yeah, they have poker games on Thursday nights, and they they discuss ways they could just bring sports down. <laughs> yeah, no one's a fan of any of those people. <laughs> All right, Zach. NFL Week 11. We're going to be previewing it. We're going to be doing our regular routine. Connor and I, each week, we do vicious players of the week. You know, are, are the best, the hot, the highs of, of the week. You're killing me, Smalls. The biggest disappointments of the week over the last seven days or so. Just t- teams or players or guys that um, have struggled in sports and, and in this this world we talk about. 
some fantasy football waiver stashes. Uh, we'll talk about guys that you want to stash the back end of your fantasy football benches in anticipation of the week 11 games. Um, guys that maybe um, we'll see on waiver wire columns starting next week. These are the types of guys that we're targeting with that. Um, power rankings, movements. Connor and I do power rankings each week. Uh, we could discuss just kind of the general trends of teams moving up and down. We usually just kind of that's more of a broad topic, um, but just teams how, how they're trending currently heading into this week of games, um, and then we'll hit it with three picks against the spreads. We'll talk about three of our favorite games of the week, and uh, we'll finish up with Connor sent in a, uh, a DFS lineup from abroad. So Connor and I both have DFS lamps. I'll read them off for us, and uh, you could let us know what you think. Sound good? Well, you didn't let you know what I think. Yeah, yeah. You could just be yeah, like, you approve. <laughs> you could approve, or you could disapprove. You could. <laughs> I'll let you. I give the thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, Zach. Let's kick it off. Vicious players of the week. All right, I, I wanted to kick it off, you know, honorable mention with an honorable mention. I know this isn't usually the way you do it. You honorable mentions at the end, but be, I, I have I have a guy I got to mention right at the top. It, it's it's one of my favorite players in the sport of baseball, Shohei Otani. Won the the first unanimous AL MVP award since 2014 when his teammate Mike Trout did it. He was the second second Japanese-born MVP. Ichiro won in 2000. That was the year Ichiro won the Rookie of the Year and the MVP. That was an awesome season. 2001. Um, was right. it 2001? I, I, I uh, maybe, maybe I wrote it down wrong. I wrote 2000. Maybe you're right. That was the year that they they broke the the the, the win record season huh? MLB record. Yeah, yeah, you, that sounds right. All right, he was the third starting pitcher to win the AL MVP award. Fifty um, in the last 50 years, Clemens in '86, Verlander in 2011. He uh, he the the one thing that I wanted to bring up with this was he had an interview um, where he earlier in the week before he won the award that. He revealed that in the second half of the season, understandably, he was like hitting some real down points, like almost depressed, um, and it really just had to do with the team's success and the lack of it. Um, the point of that just being the Angels absolutely have to get a winning ball club on the field for him because he only has two years left under contract. He says he wants to stay. He says all the right things. He says he's, he wants to stay in Anaheim for a long time, but... There's a history of like just Japanese players not really showing a whole lot of loyalty to an American ball club. You know, I I know he came to LA I mean, to, to MLB baseball and chose the Angels out of you know, all the other teams that were in a bidding war for him. Um, and you know, if you, if you had to make a bet on the next team that he plays with in the 2024 season, that that first year he's eligible for for free agency, it's got to be the Angels as the favorite right now. But the, with the way things are trending in general with this team just really having a, a hard time playing a winning caliber team on the ball on the ball field, they gotta they gotta surround him with a more successful team to just make this a more enjoyable environment for him. Um, and and that's really as an Angels fan, that's got to be priority number one, easily. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this is. I mean, he he was the AL MVP because baseball breaks it up into their division or to American league and national league, but he would have won the national league MVP too. And it's a unique situation where you have the unanimous best player in baseball as the second best player on your team. And you didn't. Make <laughs> yeah. Right. I, yeah. They miss, they miss trout. I mean, they got Rendon coming back. They just made a big signing in Syndergaard who says that he's healthy, but their team is so disappointing. Um, so hopefully they make a step forward because no one wants to see the Astros win anymore. I think <laughs> everyone would be happy for that. 
I agree. I agree. All right. He's a, he's a super likable guy. For sure. Definitely. All right. My vicious right. players of the week, the New England Patriots. Um, they, they, they were fresh off the Thursday night victory, won 25 nothing last night to the Atlanta Falcons. Five straight wins. Rookie quarterback Mac Jones is PFF's top graded quarterback since week five. So it's not we're not talking about just you know, a rookie quarterback and how he compares to other rookie quarterbacks. We're talking about Mac Jones and how he compares to the rest of the league riddled with guys like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, D- Dak Prescott. He's like, he's up there with all these guys this season. And he's a rookie. He's the first quarterback in NFL history with at least 80% completion percentage in back-to-back games with a minimum of 15 pass attempts. And, and along with the Patriots, you know, it's not just Mac Jones. You know, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, you know, banging on the door to enter that NFL's top tandem running back combinations, you know, with like the Chubb and, and Hunt and the Elliott and Pollard, Cook and Madison, Javante, Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon, you know, Harrison Stevenson kind of in that that bundle of uh, and, and it's an elite bunch they had. Ramondre Stevenson has been excellent since he stepped up. Um, you know, he, he, he got off the rocky start this year. He's a rookie, obviously, but he had a fumble in, the, in week one and that really kind of set him back in terms of Belichick giving him another opportunity. Had to wait, sit his turn. I'm sure he had to string together a good amount of practices uh, together. But he's really getting his shine now, and he's been playing really well. Last thing with the Patriots, you know, Belichick, he's plus 1,000 right now um, on bet MGM to win Coach of the Year. That's fourth in line. You know, Vrabel's the favorite right now, plus 450. Then McCarthy and Kingsbury. Belichick at plus 1,000 feels like a really good value to me. You know, if the Patriots make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, it's tough to see how Belichick doesn't win the award. You know, one of these other coaches would really have to shine bright for Belichick not to win the the, the, the award if the Patriots made the playoffs. But if they win the AFC each, AFC East, which is a seems like a really strong possibility considering Buffalo is on their schedule two times the rest of the way, Belichick is guaranteed to win if they if they win the AFC East. That's a guarantee. And, well, and since Tom has left too, there's been that narrative of. Could he do it without him? Or yeah. who was the one who was more responsible? And last year, everyone felt like from the results that, oh, it was Brady's reason, right? Brady was the reason. And and he obviously played a giant part, but we we can't forget, like, Brady's not Brady without the teams that Belichick put together. I mean, mm-hmm. without the teams that Belichick put together. And you talked about all of those things about reasons why they're your vicious player of the week without even mentioning the defense, yeah. which is that's, that's Belichick's bread and butter. They've allowed 13 points over their last three games. They're in 13 points total. And this is, I remember a couple of years ago, they went through a stretch where they were looking like historic, like one of the best defenses. They might have one of the best defensive seasons of all time. And they feel like they're right back out there again. Every single guy, they make plays. They play such sound defense. They don't make a lot of mistakes. This is such a Belichick team right now. And it rem- reminds me a lot of that first kind of wave of Brady's career yeah. where he just, Brady just had to be smart and he had to manage the game. And he wasn't what he ended up being where he developed more as a player. It wasn't MVP Brady yet. It was those first, you know, two or three Super Bowls where their defense is what was dominant. And that's what they're, that's what they are right now. Yeah. And um, no, I, I agree 100. percent The thing with with this coach of the year thing too is like it, it's the the Patriots are one of the biggest surprises of the season because you know the coach of the year award usually goes to the coach who, whose team 
most exceeded expectations based on the coming to the season, how we anticipated the Patriots to come to perform this year with the rookie quarterback, especially like I, I, I would play, play, I would feel confident saying that a lot of experts did not have new England making the playoffs or even sniffing with Mac Jones under center. Um, the only other, the only other team that you know is even in the the ballpark of expectation ex, uh, exceeding expectations this year is the Arizona Cardinals and, and, and Cliff Kingsbury, um, because I mean Tennessee w- with no Derrick Henry, yes, that's a big deal. If if Rabel if Rabel's going to lead Titans to the one C in the AFC, that's a big deal. But Tennessee was you know a good a solid playoff team last year, and, and they were so, and they were good. Like McCarthy, you know, it's his second season in Dallas. Like Dallas was expected to win the NFC East this year. They were expected to make the playoffs. Dak Prescott coming back off the injury. There was a lot of questions on that, but there wasn't a lot of questions on how talented this Dallas roster really is. Um, and I, I just think Belichick in terms of just turning this whole team around, um, really, you're right. It does feel like a lot of that early 2000s Patriots vibes where they're just – Everything's ticking for them, and nobody nobody is really outshining one another. It's just a whole team effort, and um, I, I like. It's funny how you said I didn't even mention the defensive unit because Matt Judon on the defensive side might have might be the number one free agent signing of the last offseason. It's it's coming to that where he's the leader of their defense. He's not necessarily leading in every statistical category, but he's their leader on the field. And he makes the big play when it's time to make the big play. He's been like the most clutch player for them, aside from like some of the cornerbacks like JC Jackson. Um, but I, I've really loved everything about this Patriots team so far. And I, I'm I'm loving my eight and I bet on the over on their eight and a half win total this year. I'm I'm really looking forward to cashing in that ticket later on. That looks like a lock. Yeah. All right, Zach, who's your vicious player of the week? Uh, so I, I was in California this last week and I was driving back to Arizona on Monday night and the best way to take up time when you're doing a five and a half hour drive is watch Monday night football. <laughs> so I got to watch Debo Samuel, my vicious player of the week, just absolutely shred the Rams defense. And what was crazy about watching that game uh, the 49ers were obviously trying to run the ball on the Rams and Debo finished with just as many catches as he did rushes. Uh, he had five catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. He had five rushes for 36 yards and a touchdown. At one point in the game, they showed up a graphic of the yards after catch on the league. And he is by far the NFL leader. And, and they were talking about it in context of, and I don't know if there's more of a uh, unspoken about player. I mean, he's he's the number three fantasy wide receiver right now. He's one of the most explosive players. San Francisco is using him in the run, in the pass. That guy's just absolutely dominating. I had no idea that he was ranked that high until I watched him play this weekend because I haven't been watching a lot of 49ers games. They haven't been very watchable <laughs> but Debo, Debo is and Debo is my vicious player of the week he made my Monday night drive yeah more <laughs> I love that there's a little bit of a, of a personal experience with this one um, I would just say with Debo go to the NFL NFL next gen stats um, and, and Debo is the darling of the NFL's next gen stats like 
his his yards after catch numbers he, uh, over expectation is is awesome. The speed metrics on him are great. Like he's a darling in some of these advanced statistics that NFL Next Gen Stats track. So it's it's fun just kind of spending like ten minutes looking at what he's been doing this year because he you're right he's and he's been excellent. All right. To add on to my personal story and what was such a 2021 moment we're driving and I, I realize I'm driving and I have my, my phone on our, our holder and I have my screen and I look over and my wife has her, her screen. And I look in the rear view mirror and I have one kid watching another phone on their screen and the other kid watching a tablet on his screen. So all four of us in the car watching four different things on different screens. Twenty twenty one Technological nice. moment. That's funny. What do the kids watch on the on the road trips? What do they? Is it is it like bubble guppies or what? The, the four year old watches um, <laughs> other people playing with toys, and <laughs> and then the two year old he he plays uh, he plays puzzles on his his tablet. Uh, yeah, I, on, on the uh, Amazon tablet, I like that one where he, where Max mm-hmm. plays the puzzles. That's pretty cool. All right, Zach. Next segment. You're you're killing me, Smalls. This is our segment where we talk about the biggest disappointments of the week, the guys that have just been really messing it up, getting drugged through the, the, the media storylines. I don't think we could get through this one without talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks have slid a little bit in our power rankings, and we'll talk about that. But really, this is just like a reflection of the loss of the Washington football team last week. Really, one of the biggest upsets of the season. You know, that Jacksonville Jaguars win the week before against Buffalo felt like that was it. That was going to be the upset of the year. But you know, Washington football team, nine-and-a-half-point uh, underdogs, ten-point underdogs last week in some in some cases. make the, They absolutely dominated the Buccaneers. It wasn't even close the whole game. Um, and it was one of the four worst losses of Tom Brady's career. A double-digit double favorite to, to lose by double digits is not is not very common. You do not see that very often. And then also to tack onto it, you know some some off field news cycle coming in with the with the Bucks and wide receiver Diva wide receiver Antonio Brown his ex chef it's always the chef the guy that cooks your food you gotta trust him Wait, with your life are you telling me that Antonio Brown got into off off field issues <laughs> yeah that's Zach. shocking I, that's exactly what I'm saying <laughs> upstanding citizen Antonio Brown <laughs> did you see this that his ex chef. Uh, says that Brown asked his Brown's girlfriend asked him for a fake Johnson and Johnson vaccination card, offered to pay him five hundred bucks. So I, that's where I was kind of like a little skeptical of the story because I was like, it's Antonio Brown, like he has millions of dollars. If he wanted a fake vaccination card, you think he, like, you know, give me something. Get, don't give me like the Costco brand fake vaccination card. Give me like you know the Gucci or like that that Louis Vuitton, like the top tier. You know, fake, fake. Well, you know, a legitimate that's how fake. You know, like Antonio Brown <laughs> is no longer in touch. He's no longer in touch because the chef isn't who you go to. You go to your guy, your guy Jimmy, who knows the guy who gets it done for you. And Jimmy's in touch. Jimmy doesn't say anything about it. He goes to his chef. What yeah. is the chef? Gonna do? Like the chef's cooking up Johnson and Johnson vaccine cards. I think I think it just shows his inner circle is growing smaller by the day. I just think he has fewer people to talk to, and so he the chef was like one of four people he could have turned to, and he chose wrong. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Alex Guerrero writes those vaccination cards out if he asked his boy, Tom Brady. I, I, that sounds like something that would be in his job description. That's something that T, I'm pretty sure TB12 is doing something. The TB12 is offering the alternate vaccine that Aaron Rodgers got. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Zach, who's your vicious? Oh, you're not vicious. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, player of the week. Uh, it's the entire organization of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Raiders are going to Raider and <laughs> to Vegas didn't change anything about it. I mean, looking back a couple weeks ago, they were sitting at five and two. They're at the top of the AFC West and it's just been a disaster since then. You've had all the drama surrounding Gruden leaving and his emails and something that I didn't think about. You know, Derek Carr came out in support of him. Right. And saying that that he had no problems with Gruden. But it me, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was the issue with people taking a knee, knee during the anthem. And I remember at the time, Derek Carr spoke out against it. And there was a little bit of like back and forth about issues in the locker room with with some of his linemen and people who didn't appreciate that Carr did that. And I'm wondering if first you had this thing about Gruden and some of his his maybe racist tendencies. I don't know if they're showing up as a coach or not, but definitely showed up in his emails. Um, and Carr comes out to defend this guy again. And then you have, you know, both, they had two first round picks in 2020 and both of them are now gone because Henry Ruggs decided to drive 150 down a, a street. And then uh, Damon Arnett is waving a gun on, on social media and so both of those guys are gone. And it just feels like there's just new drama there every week. They should have picked this season to film them on Hard Knocks. <laughs> I imagine. That, how it about the Colts? The Colts game that mid-season TV. Hard Knocks? That would have been hilarious if it was the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yep. It would have been must-watch TV. But they just, they, since then, they've lost two. They lost a bad game to the Giants. They absolutely get blown out by Kansas City. And th- this felt like their chance against Kansas city, right? That Kansas city has been struggling. It felt like their opportunity to get out from underneath them and take the division. And they just get absolutely smoked by this quote unquote struggling Kansas city offense. So, I mean, they, they make for a great reality TV show, but not a good football team. <laughs> I'm, They're killing I, me smiles. Yeah, exactly. I'm on par with you there. Uh, honorable mention here. I want to mention a baseball team here. Um, you know, we're in the offseason. Winter meetings going on. A lot of talks about just offseason player movement. The Colorado Rockies are Major League Baseball's most disappointing team to me right now. When you look back at what they did at the Major League Baseball trade deadline last season, it might have been the worst trade deadline in recent history, at least that I can remember. Jonathan Gray was a former first-round draft pick of theirs. He's a free agent this this offseason. There was a lot of interest and talks about him possibly getting traded at the deadline. The Rockies decide to hold on to him. Now, it looks like John Gray is set to walk for absolutely nothing because the Rockies didn't even offer him a qualifying offer. Doesn't I haven't seen any talks about an extension. That just means that when Jonathan Gray signs with another team, they got literally nothing for him. A former first-round pick, someone who actually looked decent this last year, he was a, a reasonably adequate starter especially when you consider him pitching in Colorado in half his games a pitcher's nightmare bubble ballpark he's just gonna walk away 
And that's just inexcusable for an organization that needs draft picks, that needs talent, um, and especially in the pitching department. Just absolute, absolutely brutal look. And then tack on this whole Trevor Story thing. You know, they offered him a qualifying offer. So now the Rockies are just going to get a, a compensation pick for one of the league's top shortstops in baseball. And it seems it seemed like there was at least a package or two that – was offered to them at the trade deadline last offseason, and I don't know what they were doing not taking it. So, Colorado Rockies, you're killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. I think their problem is that they wear purple. They're the only <laughs> team in the league that wears purple. I mean, the only other team I can think of that has had purple was the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. The D-backs, too. And they got rid of the purple. Diamondbacks, and the old school Diamondbacks. Because of that. Yeah, the Diamondbacks were better in purple than they have been in red. But even then, they got rid of the purple because they realized purple isn't the look. Yeah. And I think the Rockies' problem. If they want to get better, they're going to have to rebrand something <laughs> purple. Yeah. Maybe a color. We should probably send them some letters about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move into our next segment. Fantasy football, waiver wire stashes. Some guys that we want to talk about just... You know, when you enter in a week, you ha- you ha- you have somebody that pops up or gets declared out later in the week. You, you can move him to an IR spot, oftentimes creating you know an extra roster spot for you. These are the types of players that you want to look to fill your roster, um, the back end of your bench with. So, Zach, why don't you k- kick it off? Tell us somebody that you're looking to possibly stash in anticipation of not having to, you know, jump to the waiver wire next week to uh, to get this guy. I like, uh, you know, the tight end position is always, unless you get one of those top five guys, it's one that you're often having to make moves throughout the year on. And the guy I'm high on right now is Dan Arnold with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He got traded to Jacksonville for a former first round pick after week three. And since then, over his last five games, he's averaging seven and a half targets a game. He's he's Lawrence's favorite safety blanket. Uh, he hasn't found the end zone yet. He hasn't scored a touchdown with his new team, but he's a safe floor play just because of the volume. He's getting looks. And the more that I think Trevor Lawrence gets comfortable throwing the football, the the better Dan Arnold is going to do. I think he's a top 10 or 12 tight end the rest of the way through the season. He's only rostered in about 39% of leagues right now on ESPN. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Arnold is a decent DFS play too this week. Um, guy that I'm looking at, uh, he's only four, he's forty percent owned in ESPN leagues. Van Jefferson, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. He was dumped in a lot of leagues when the news about Odell Beckham Jr. came out, he, um, and then he was kind of tried to people tried to scrap scrap back to get him when the news about Robert Woods' ACL um, tear came out. So Jefferson, you know, is going to be what top three receiver for the Rams. Probably going to take some time for Odell to. Um, you know, get settled in on their offense. And Jefferson knows the system better than him. He's also got six-plus targets in four straight games. I like Jefferson a lot, um, especially as, a, you know, a deep downfield threat. I think, you know, Odell, he's no longer that that stretch-to-field type of receiver. He's not that elite athletic talent that he once was when he was young with the Giants. Odell's a great receiver. I think he's an, ex- an excellent addition to the Rams' offense. I just think Jefferson is the guy that if they want to take the top off of opposing defenses, Jefferson's your guy. Um, and so I, I really like Jefferson as possibly a wide receiver three the rest of the way um, in fantasy football. Also, Matt Stafford, he's leading the NFL in passing yards this year. So there's a lot of volume to be had in that Rams passing game. 
Yeah. OBJ is uh, great for pregame clips of watching him make <laughs> one-handed catches with his beats on. Yeah. But I haven't him make a one-handed catch in a game in a while. No, that's an excellent point. I have not seen the many many one-handed grabs from him. All right, you have anybody else you want to you want to mention? I got a couple of deep sleepers that I sent you. There, these are two dudes who are both owned in one percent of ESPN leagues. I actually might start one of them this week. Um, one of them is Marcus Johnson with Tennessee. Julio's on the IR. Tennessee struggled to find another consistent option behind AJ Brown. Without Derrick Henry, I think they're going to run the ball less, even though they've been really run heavy before. Uh, he had six targets, five catches for 100 yards last week. He's going to get a chance. He's got a favorable matchup this week against Houston. So I might start him. I'm curious to see how he does. Uh, the other guy I like is DeAndre Carter from the Washington football team. Um, they brought in Curtis Samuel to be the number two behind Scary Terry. And Curtis Samuel's been hurt all season. And so Washington's trying to get him involved. He's had two straight weeks. He's gotten six targets and a touchdown. He had a carry. I feel like when you are handing balls off to wide receivers, like I talked about with Debo, you're trying to get them involved. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's gotten a little bit more targets, he's had a couple touchdowns, they're handing the ball off to him. I think DeAndre Carter, for as low as he is owned, is worth a shot to see if he gets more involved and consistently involved in the Washington offense. I like that. I like that a lot. I like Marcus Johnson um, just because also in tandem with the disappointment that Julio Jones has been this season. Um, if you could give me someone with just more upside and, and more consistency than Julio, I'll, I'll take it. Because I think Tennessee's offense is going to have to lean more on the passing game without Derrick Henry. So I think that's a good one. DeAndre Carter is really what I was hoping Deami Brown was going to be this season. Deami Brown's a rookie uh, wide receiver for them who has not really done much. Um, he looked, he was one of those preseason darlings that people liked his preseason tapes on and never really did anything this year. Um, some guys you got to keep an eye on. These guys should probably already be owned in your leagues. Uh, and so it's it's worth mentioning them if they're not. Just uh, you know, check your waiver wires, see if they're still there. Jeff Wilson Jr., running back for the San Francisco 49ers, set to start this week for the Niners. Elijah Mitchell looks like he's going to be out for this game. He has a fractured finger. Wilson, I could tell you from personal experience, is capable of leading your teams to a fantasy football championship. I won last year on the back of Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. won me my fantasy league last year. I would recommend going and grab him if he's out on your waiver wires. Got to also take a look at Michael Gallup. He's, you know, no Mark no Mark Cooper for at least two weeks with the COVID, um, the co- going out with COVID, and Gallup now is going to be Big their wide receiver too. He's good. He's really good. Um, Rashad Bateman, someone we've been talking about, Connor and I, on this podcast for a while. Bateman's just a really excellent rookie wide receiver. The targets are going up. His 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 breakout game, you could see, is just coming sooner than later. He looked excellent in that game against Miami last week. He was the go-to guy for Lamar when he needed somebody down the stretch. Him and Mark Andrews were leading the passing game. It was more it was more Bateman and, and, and Andrews than it was uh, Marquise Brown. So I would go out and grab Bateman where he's available. Also, um, want to mention a. De- I like mentioning a defense because I, at this point in the season, I, I like to look at the the upcoming schedule for uh, fantasy defenses because I'm, I'm playing the streaming game. You know, I'm I'm defenses is one of the thing that I, I'm okay with dumping and and swapping out defenses as long as there there's a good like ten or so, ten to twelve or so available on waiver wires. 
I'm looking at the Chicago Bears defense this week uh, to, to stash. They're 10.8% roster in ESPN. They got Baltimore this week. It's not a terrible matchup uh, for fantasy purposes. You, you know, I know Lamar is an excellent quarterback, and, and the offense for Baltimore is getting better, but they're actually like in the mid-20s uh, in terms of allowing points to opposing fantasy defenses. But the reason why I'm stashing the Chicago Bears defense is for their matchup next week. They face the Detroit Lions next week. I don't know if Goff is going to be able to give it a go. I, I, he's missing this week. He might be out again next week. Na- uh, Blau, Blau, Blow, that's the guy who's starting for them. I, I, oh, that guy blows. Yeah, so I, I would go and grab the Bears defense where they're available if you could if you could manage it. All right. All right, Zach, I like it. All right, let's talk about our next segment here. Let's move on to our power rankings movements. This is the point of the podcast where we talk about, you know, Connor and I do weekly power rankings. They're up on our All Things Analysis website. Uh, We usually just try to highlight some of the teams that have been the biggest movers of the week. You know, I could kick it off, and then you could kind of just let me know what you think about our opinion on on teams, or you could let me know if you have any teams that you want to highlight in terms of trend the biggest trending teams like the hottest and the coldest teams possibly is the way you could look at it um i'm talking about i want to kick it off with the minnesota vikings you know i had, I had the vikings moved up to about 14th in my power rankings um and it's I, I was i was kind of eyeing it coming into the podcast looking at maybe that might be a little bit too high but I, I feel comfortable having the vikings in the top half of my power rankings um, this week, you know, that win against the Los Angeles Chargers last week was excellent. And we'll talk about this when we get to the handicap of the Vikings and Packers game. But the Vikings are one of the most unlucky teams in football. There's, there's, when you're at this point in the season, you're further than halfway. The statistics on expected wins is becoming more legitimate with the more data behind you. And, the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are second in football outsiders expected wins um, compared to actual, they've had they have over two wins less than expected according to Football Outsiders. All Things Analysis also has a Pythagorean theorem tool um, that compares basically, you know, using points scored versus points against to, you know, get a number of wins that you're supposed to get based on those totals. Um, the Vikings are, are fourth in that. So the the, the Vikings are, are definitely a team that I, I, I can see getting better as he, as the season goes on. Um, Kirk Cousins is nothing special, but really it comes down to, you know, he, he's he's been decent this year based on, you know, PFF gives him, he, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes is the reason why he grades well in those categories. Um, and, you know, Justin Jefferson is someone I'm really high on. I think he's possibly a top two or three wide receiver in fantasy football next year. Dalvin Cook's a beast. This defense is getting better. No Daniil Hunter the rest of the season really is a bummer. But um, they're getting healthier now on that end of the football. And this is a team that's definitely one of the, the most, uh, you know, upwards trending teams for me. And um, I, I think that in this bunch of where you're, where you're comparing them to, there are a lot of teams that are disappointing at this point in the season. And, you know, I'm talking about at, at 15, I have, um, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals who have strung together a few bad losses. At 16, I have um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have no offense pretty much. So there's just like in this bundle of the power rankings, there are teams that, you know, the, do they really have the ceiling that a team like Minnesota has? And I don't think they do. So. I had I had them in our ATA power rankings. They've moved up four spots this week. Does that make sense? That, that would that make sense to you? The reason why we would do that? 
I like it. You get Patrick Peterson back this week? Yeah. My favorite part of the Minnesota Vikings is that Lizzo song, though. <laughs> Talks about her new man. Yeah. We uh, we also moved up the, the Niners four spots this week. Um, the Niners are a team that uh, were pretty disappointing a couple weeks ago, and so I think we maybe we overreacted to it. I think they're somewhere in the middle. They're a DVOA darling. I think they're seventh in DVOA right now. Um, so the advanced stats love the Niners. They're a team that, you know, I think Jimmy G caps their ceiling, but Jimmy G is also a game manager. And, and I think what what's what stinks about the Niners, though, is where they – I talked about this with Connor. It's like the head coach Kyle Shanahan has to be just absolutely st- sick to his stomach seeing what Mac Jones is doing in, in New England. Like, you know, <laughs> he, he, he traded up the – sto- if the story is right, he basically got convinced by his team ownership and Twitter – that he made the wrong decision by wanting to get Mac Jones, and so they convinced him to get Trey Lance. Because it seems like Mac Jones was his guy, and then they all convinced him otherwise. I don't know. That's bad. If that's true. That's yeah. unfortunate for them. Uh, <laughs> fortunate for the Patriots. But, I, I, you know, talking about Jimmy G as a game manager, um, I mean, who's been his favorite guy to throw to while he's managing games? It's been George Kittle. And he didn't have Kittle for a majority of the season, and now he's back. So Debo has been ridiculous, and that's another weapon they have. But I like them more with Kittle back, and that defense has has been pretty solid. They were supposed to be. I liked them a lot coming into the year, um, and they play in a tough division, but they beat up on a pretty good divisional opponent last week. Yeah, yeah, they 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 did for sure. Uh, that was an impressive win on Monday Night Football. All right, we also moved the the Denver Broncos down a a few spots, four spots. Um, I think it was more of an overreaction to their game the week before against Dallas. And I think what that was more of a – while Denver looked excellent in that game, I think it was also more a reflection of a a, a good degree of that performance was the fact that Dallas was just not ready in that game. Dak Prescott was coming off of the the calf injury. wasn't wasn't himself. They did not do a good job protecting him. They couldn't get anything going. There was a lot of just like uh, unfortunate circumstances in that game. Like that block punt. Did you see that? They had the block punt. Got mm-hmm. pushed in front of the line of scrimmage. They touched the ball. The ball ended up being first and ten for the Denver Broncos on a block punt. Like just kind of weird things that happened for them in that game. And. I think the score doesn't accurately depict um, the, 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 the Cowboys didn't absolutely get blown off the field. They just, it wasn't their day. A lot of things went wrong for them. And um, I think we moved the Broncos up a little bit too high based on that performance. Um, I think the Broncos are well within that bottom third of the league, just based on the way the team has performed, you know, in the second half now. And, I, I do like the fact that they have Jerry Judy now and Teddy Bridgewater seems to be healthier. But, you know, the defense is just not what their bread, their bread and butter for the years has been the defense. And that's the reason why they're just really not going to be able to get it done this year. And, you know, you trading away well, Von Miller no, is just not a no good look. No Von Miller, no Chubb. I mean, the Carolina Panthers are paying for Denver to start Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And so that they could pay Sam Darnold. And then <laughs> now I think they're paying now cam newton more money than the patriots were when they released him to come in and play the end but they were paying they're paying cam newton's replacement and cam newton's replacement replacement for cam newton to replace the replacement's replacement <laughs> 
Say that ten times fast. It's an it's an inception. It's an inception of Cam Newton. <laughs> no, I uh, I'm with you. I, I um I just those two teams are. Really, it's kind of funny. I had them. We had them ranked 23 and 24, right, in our all things analysis power rankings. So they belong. They belong together. Those two. Who's your top team? We currently have the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and we would, I think the reason why we have them at the top, we didn't want to overreact to the loss last week. Um, and we have to give them a little bit of, of, of a leash, I think. And we've been we've been moving the top four teams around a lot over the last few weeks. You know, Cardinals, Bills, Rams, Bucks. Connor snuck the Cowboys in over the Bucks now into the top into the top four, which is understandable, um, I think. But I think uh, uh, you know, no no Kyler Murray last week, no De- DeAndre Hopkins. Um, no Chase Edmonds. This team's kind of get healthy. Yeah, they're hitting. A, I, a I, I think ball. they started off really well, and like you said, they kind of definitely overplayed their expectations. But they got to get healthy because with Kyler, if Kyler isn't able to run, they're not the same team. Yeah, and even though he's not, you know, no, he's no longer Defensive Player of the Year. JJ Watt what J.J. Watt brought to that defense as far as leadership and someone else to pay attention to to give Chandler Jones a chance. Without him, I think that hurts a lot too. So, I mean, I like them a lot still, um, but I got to see them get healthy. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100% because we saw last year with, with Kyler, you know, once he got hurt, that was really the downfall of their season because um, they started off, what, like 6-3, and 7-3 and three or something like that, and then they just – depreciated fast down the down the stretch with Kyler's shoulder injury so I kind of like the fact that they've learned their lesson they're not taking any chances they're not going to rush him back um and they got a decent quarterback I mean I'm not backup quarterback I'm not saying that Colt McCoy is going to win them any significant games but he's at least going to be able to move the football adequately in the absence of Kyler Murray so I'm willing to give cut them a little bit of slack while they get healthy hit this midseason lull um, and kind of try to bounce back. And really, it also is a reflection of I'm not jazzed about the other teams that might be competing for that top spot. I don't think there's any there's not any elite teams this season. You know, the Buffalo Bills lost to the Jaguars. The Rams lost to the 49ers last week. And the Buccaneers had lost to the Washington football team. The Cowboys lost to the, the Broncos two weeks ago. Like, all these teams have flaws. And they've all made mistakes. Um, and it's wide open this year. It's wide open. And so it's not like the last couple of years where Kansas City was such an overwhelming favorite. It's yeah, I I I, I feel you. It's wide open. Listen, I would I would bet that your top five that you have right now over I'd say three of those top five will no longer be in the top five at the end of the season. I think there'll <laughs> much turnover still. It's very possible. It's very possible. And and a lot of a lot of I've seen media outlets have the Tennessee Titans in the like the top three or four and I I could see that but I'm also just very hesitant to move them that high when they they lost Derrick Henry who was 48 percent of their offense literally getting the Mm -hmm. ball or receiving a get receiving a handoff or or a reception on 48 percent of their offensive plays and then no Julio Jones who they invest a lot of money and time into during the offseason someone who they were banking on stretching the field taking a lot of the tension away from A.J. Brown. And, I mean, Tannehill hasn't won a big game. How, how, many, how many games have, has, can you remember like, of, of a playoff game that was significant that Tannehill won? I mean, I remember when Ryan Tannehill got – didn't he get released from Miami? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean – That's not the guy that I think is going to lead me to a Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't 
there's another non-quarterback in the NFL who is more important to their team than Derrick Henry is. And I saw that they were talking about optimistically hoping that he's able to play in early January. Um, and, and, you know, they probably will win their division just for where they're at now. And, and that big overtime win against Indy probably made it a little bit too difficult for Indy to catch them. But I, 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 there's a lot that I think are question marks of whether or not that's an elite team. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. be afraid to play them in week one. If I get lined up against that team, I would, I would rather play the Tennessee Titans than play the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, or a Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. The I, I'm also just not a believer in that defensive line. They've been they've been excellent over the last few weeks, and I I just don't think they're consistently going to be that good. All right, Zach. Those are our power rankings for the week. Go out, and listeners. Please go ch- uh, check those out at allthingsanalysis.com. We have those um, live on the website. They're updated. Um, you just, as soon as Connor and I make our adjustments, they update on the site. So it's 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 pretty nice to just have those live there for everybody. Uh, and I've been adjusting those on a weekly basis. All right, let's get into some of our picks against the lines here. We're gonna highlight three of our favorite games. We've been doing pretty good on this, Connor and I. Um, well, <laughs> me a little bit more than Connor. I don't mean to. I don't. I don't want to like you know be boastful or anything. But um, I've been picking at fifty four point three percent on the season. You know, last week we had a little bit of a down downturn. Went six and eight last week. Connor was four and ten. Um, Connor on the season is forty six point four. So we're trying to get his scores up. He's got to. He's got to start. You know, getting into some of the research aspects with me. Um, but we'll, we'll, Zach's been doing better lately. So maybe we'll have a little bit of a uh, some improvement here for. You our, know, our guest this spot. hasn't been the best season for me. But historically, <laughs> I've done pretty good against the spread. Historically, I've been. You've been about- doing better in recent weeks, though. I've noticed. So. Yeah, you're hoping for a, you're definitely hoping for a, a better second half turnaround. Over the last five seasons that I've been doing pick against the spread, I've been at right around 55, 56%. It's not easy. It's, it's this season, especially there's been some really bizarre outcomes. Um, and it's, it's been, it's, it's been tough. It's funny when we, Zach, Zach manages a pool uh, for picks against the spreads. And um, it's funny when you just get people like our aunt just winning game, winning weeks. And she just, she, you ask her how she picks her team, and she goes, "Oh, I just uh, I like that team, and they're that's a good quarterback." And like the the minim, like the minimalistic analysis goes into her picks, and it's like, well, that's what it shows you. You know, you're not supposed to win long. <laughs> it's hard. It, it's yeah, someone just going through and randomly picking like that has just as good of a chance any given week. What you're really trying to do is find that small margin where you are slightly over sure. 5.56% where you're more right than you're wrong. And that's how, that's where you're profitable. But it's hard. It's not meant to be easy because, you know, in the end, Vegas always wins. They're very smart with how they, they pick their numbers. Yeah. All right, Zach. Let me. I want to tell you some about something about these uh, against the spread trends that we're seeing this season because I don't know if you're aware. Away teams just straight up this year have have covered against the spread. Just away teams, all all road teams. Fifty seven point three percent of the games are they're covering. It's a significant margin at this point in the season. And then you look at a road dogs, so away underdogs, sixty two point two two percent. I think it's just kind of a refle- it's been a reflection of the trend this year that just home field advantage is absolutely like non-existent. There, it's it's practically a zero. It should be almost a zero on the line. 
I don't know if point. it's a zero, but it's not what it used to be. I mean, something that used to get baked in the home field advantage was the idea of travel and travel fatigue. But the way that teams travel is different now, too. It's not true. Not as difficult to travel when you're on a ridiculous private jet. And I think something else, too, I don't know if every stadium is at full capacity yet, um, but crowd noise isn't, I think, what it was before either. It sure seems that way, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Zach. Let's kick it off with our first game to highlight here. Um, this is a good matchup. And I, we highlighted three of our favorite matchups on the week. So the rest of our picks will go up on the website um, Sunday morning, it looks like. So we're going to kick it off with our first game. The Indianapolis Colts taking on the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored by seven points. The over-under point total 50 and a half. It's a good... It, it's a close one. It's a rematch of the AFC wildcard game. You know, the Bills beat the Colts last last year, eliminated from the playoffs. They beat them 27-24. Buffalo barely held on to the, in that game. It was a cold January postseason matchup. They had a 24-10 lead with 14 minutes left in the game. The Colts came roaring back, and they stalled at the end of the end of the game. You know, Philip Rivers really just couldn't get it done. He seemed like his arm was just absolutely toast at the end of that game, if you remember. They uh, they lost on the last three plays of the game were straight incompletions from the Buffalo 47-yard line when all they needed was about another 10 to 20 yards more to kick the game-tying field goal. So... Um, we can go into this this rematch now. They got a new quarterback, Carson Wentz. You know the the Colts star running back is still the same, Jonathan Taylor. He was inefficient in that AFC Wild Card game. We'll see if he keeps his hot streak going. He's been absolutely torrent lately. He's been crazy hot. Um, and you know Buffalo's defense has been the story of their season so far. They've been awesome, first in DVOA, um, with the caveat of you know they face the easiest ranked schedule of opposing offenses. So. At 17th in offensive DVOA, the Colts' offense this year is the second-best team Buffalo has faced this season, first being Kansas City in Week 5. So the question to you, I throw it to you, is is this Colts' offense going to give Buffalo any trouble? Is there a possibility that Colts even have a, could sniff an upset here? So it's a one-score spread, the seven-point spread. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup with, with Indianapolis and Buffalo? I, I like Indy. And it's like what you said. I don't know how – I know Buffalo is a good football team. I don't know how good they actually are because their schedule has been so easy. They've beat up on bad teams. Um, even that win against Kansas City, that's the only real good win that you could you could point to. But Kansas City went on a run after that that was just awful. And it makes me wonder how good was that win actually. Um, you saw them lose in a really bad game to a bad Jacksonville team. Um I, I like Jonathan Taylor's ability to run the ball really well. I think he's the best running back in the NFL right now with Derrick Henry on the shelf. Um, I think Indy, since Wentz, Wentz got, was hurt at the beginning of the season, he's playing banged up. He had those two sprained ankles. They started 0-3. <laughs> I can't believe it's two sprained ankles. You better be laughing uh, at you, that. <laughs> you know, it's bad enough you sprain one and then you sprain the other. It sounds like he like just jumped off of something that was too tall. But <laughs> since then, they're 5-2 and two, um, straight up. And, and they had that really, really good game against Tennessee, who, like you said, people are, are have them. For some people have them. Tennessee is the highest-ranked team in the league right now. They were right there with them in an overtime loss. What I'm seeing from Indy – is they blow out the bad teams the way they're supposed to, similar to what Buffalo's done. And when they're playing te- good teams, they're right in the middle of that game. And so I don't like laying a, a full touchdown 
against a team that I think is more close to even than what this line is saying. I mean, you're talking about too the the road the road uh, teams covering and the home field advantage not being as big of a deal. I could see it in Buffalo being a little bit, especially as we get later in the season. You know that weather, but we're not quite there yet where you're getting horrible weather a dome team like Indy traveling to Buffalo. It's not quite December, January weather yet. Um, I mean, you mentioned that AFC wildcard game where it was really cold. Mm-hmm. Indy is still able to do what they need to do. Um, I like them laying seven points right here. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on this one. Um, you know, the key to Buffalo's defensive success in the season has been their their four-man pass rush. So Buffalo is actually leading the league. Their defense is leading the league in pressure rate. 30.6% of plays are getting pressure. But they only blitz the, at the sixth lowest rate in the league, 19.7%. They're blitzing is their blitz rate. So they're, they're able to create penetration and make opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable despite you know blitzing at such a low rate and it's it's been you know the bread and butter because when you're able to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks but allow your your defense to keep men the secondary to improves your coverage just naturally you have more guys in the secondary they're going to be better in coverage so you know Carson Wentz he's he's notorious for you know he struggles under pressure PFF ranks uh the Carson Wentz 20th when operating under pressure this season. So, you know, the question is whether or not Buffalo is going to be able to get to him. And the Colts offensive line, you know, they, they rank 17th in pass block win rate on the season. But over the last five weeks, PFF gives them they're tied for 13th most efficient pass blocking unit in football. So they're improving on the season. I think Anthony Costanzo is, he came back not that long ago. I think he's still playing for them. So he, he you know, it, the, the Colts have been, uh, on the offensive side of the football, they've been running the ball better. Like you said, Jonathan Taylor's been an absolute stud. Buffalo's third in rush DVOA, their defense is. They're 31st in run success rate allowed, so they've been staunchy on that side of the football. This is a matchup that just projects to just be two of some of the most elite units of the sport. Just like Jonathan Taylor's probably a top-ranked running back. Buffalo might be the top-ranked run defense or at least up there. Um, and this is going to be a great matchup of those two, but I tend to believe uh, what you're saying with the fact that I just think Jonathan Taylor is going to be, it's going to be like a rock and a hard place and an immovable objects meets an immovable force or what's the, what's the phrase? Something like that. <laughs> immovable object meets an unstoppable, unstoppable force. How do you beat, how do you beat a pass rush? You, you run the football. Yeah. You, you run it, you, you run screens. And so you're, you're putting the ball in your best player's hand. I mean, I'd, I'd make the argument that Jonathan Taylor is the most talented player on that football field on Sunday, and you're going to give him the football and have it, him give you a chance to stay in that game. Yeah. And we saw what I Derrick Henry did to them just not that long ago. 20 carries, 143 right. yards, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's I not also like, to that big running back. I also like the spot. Indy needs this game. Indy's 5-5. Five and five. They need game buffalo you we talked about the division too and indy's still trying to chase tennessee they probably won't catch them but they're still trying to to chase them i know that they feel urgency there by the way they've been playing uh buffalo this is a look this is a classic look ahead spot they have new england next week in what will probably be a matchup for that first place it will be with their records right now it'll be a matchup for who will be in first place at the top of their division at the end of next week 
So, yeah, you know, you say take it a game at a time, but it's just, I think, natural to maybe think in the back of your head of who you got next week. No, that's a good point. It's kind of funny. The Jacksonville Jaguars, ironically, also just kind of gave both these teams a blueprint for success against one another. Like the Jags pulled off the one of the biggest upsets of the year in week nine against the Bills. And then last week, they gave the Colts a run for their money. They lost 17 to 23. Jacksonville's pass rush dominated both offensive lines. They pressured Josh Allen on 38, almost 39% of his dropbacks. Carson Wentz on 44.4% of his. Both you know, quarterbacks performed well below their season standards against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's 28th in DVOA on defense. So they did something right in those games. And we'll see if, you know, if, if the, the Bills and, and the Colts kind of studied those takes because uh, the Jaguars kind of gave a little bit of an interesting blueprint against these guys. <laughs> I like it. All right. We're both taking the Colts plus seven. All right, our next matchup, we're going to roll into an NFC North divisional battle here. Green Bay Packers taking on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The Packers are the road favorites, laying two and a half points. 49 and a half is the over-under point total here. I think Zach and I are both leaning towards, I feel like this this is kind of a sharp a sharp bet, I think. You know, the Packers are a, a public favorite, a team that gets a lot of uh, – public you know respect and a- admiration and coverage in general and the vikings have been a kind of a forgotten team this year just based on the fact that they've lost so many one score games they've gotten really unfortunate i talked about earlier they're one of the most unlucky teams in football winning you know far fewer games than they're expected to on the season is there is there um, a case here what's the case here for for minnesota to you know cover the spread possibly i, I think there's a possibility on the on the money line that they upset the packers in this game too the reason why I like this, going back to some of the, the unluckiness, there's two games that stand out to me, and it's the two opponents that work the other way for the Packers. It was the, the game against Cincinnati and their game against Arizona. They were both essentially coin flip games. They missed a kick in Arizona that, that would have gotten them the win. They lost to Cincinnati in overtime. Green Bay won two coin flip games against those teams. Green Bay won that Thursday night football game in Arizona where A.J. Green retired mid-play <laughs> and then won an overtime game against Cincinnati. And so both of those flopped Green Bay's way, but if, if they, they had flopped the opposite way, you're talking about two, six, and four teams. And it's not to say that that they, are, they should be equal. I do think Green Bay is a, is a better team, but it's maybe to, to suggest it's not as much of a margin as we think. Um, I like that. One of the things too, Green Bay has historically um, over the last few seasons with Aaron Rodgers, they've been about 500 on the road. They are much better at home. And it's the, the comparative advantage they have of the unique surface that they have at Lambeau that makes them better at home. We saw it last week where Seattle struggled there uh, on the road. They haven't been quite as strong and Minnesota. This is a, a big game for them. Um, I, I think the situational spot, they need the game badly. They had a bye week three weeks ago, so they're a little bit more rested. Green Bay is coming into it. They don't have a bye yet. They have a, one of the late buys. They have played some tough games back to back to back. You had the game in Arizona where they were missing their mm-hmm. some of their receivers, and that was a really hard-fought game. You had the game with all the distractions that came with Rodgers being out and playing Kansas City with Jordan Love, and it was a hard-fought game where they kept Kansas City's offense down to 13. You had last week 
And, and I think last week is an easy overreaction. If that game finishes with the score, what it was in the fourth quarter, it was three, nothing in the late in the fourth quarter in Seattle. And they ended up pulling away with two touchdowns and they scored 17. If that finished three, nothing, I don't think this spread is two and a half. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to beating Seattle, making it seem like they beat Seattle pretty handedly when they really didn't. It was an ugly played football game. We talked earlier about Minnesota's defense getting healthy again, and Green Bay's offense hasn't looked great lately. I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still very, very talented, but they don't have Aaron Jones still. I'm not a fan of A.J. Dillon. I don't think that he's going to really get going. And Green Bay has struggled against the run, and the Minnesota Vikings can run the football with Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I, I agree with all your points there. One, some things that I'll add is um, the Vikings' pass rush – you know, really took a big hit when they lost Daniel Hunter for the rest of the season. He was their best pass rushing uh, edge rusher for the season. And he tore his pectorals out for the year. And the Vikings with Daniel Hunter were really banking on his pressure rate to, you know, get to the quarterback. And they were one of the league's top pressure rate defenses. And when they lost him, they were really trying to figure out how to generate, you know, discomfort for opposing quarterbacks without him. And what they've done now is increase their blitz rate. And it makes sense. You know, the season blitz rate for the Vikings is only 26.3%. Last week, they brought the pressure against Justin Herbert on 37.8% of his dropbacks. 10, 10 snaps, Herbert was under pressure. He had a 28.6% completion percentage. PFF gave him a 50.0 offensive grade under pressure. I think the Vikings should bring a similar game plan against Green Bay here against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, you know, like you said, excellent quarterback. He's actually doing really bad against pressure this season. His offensive grade drops to 48.1 points when under pressure compared to when he's kept clean this year. When he's blitzed, his offensive grade also drops another 22.4 just when he's blitzed, not even not even the pressure. So what I say to Minnesota is just go get him, man. Just go bring bring the house on, on Rodgers. Make him uncomfortable. And with no Aaron Jones, you know, Aaron Jones kind of has that sense of the safety blanket for, for Rodgers. And I, I, without him, you know, A.J. Dillon's not the pass-catching back that Aaron Jones is. And, and I know they have Adams, but when, when you have a wide receiver, of, I know Adams is unbelievable talent, but they're going to be doubling him constantly is my bet. Um, and so I think this is going to be a good matchup for Minnesota to just kind of keep that game plan that was successful for them last, last week against the, the, the Chargers, kind of keep it rolling here against the Green Bay Packers. Also, one tip. I like a derivative here. I like under 49 and a half. Um, I'm going to wait to Sunday to morning to maybe place this because I think it gets up to 50. Um, six of the last seven games against these teams have gone under. Four of Minnesota's last five home games have gone under. Green Bay is last in the league in pace of play. And Aaron Jones is often kind of the main weapon when they try to speed things up on their offense. I'm picking Minnesota and the points, and I'm going to sprinkle some juice on a parlay with the under 49 and a half. Like it. Um I'll, I'll also add, you know, talking about Devontae Adams being the main guy, if Patrick Peterson plays this week, that's another plus for Minnesota's defense. There's another shutdown type corner who can help disrupt him a little bit. Uh, this was also one of my favorite stat lines that I heard, um, a unique one I heard a couple of years ago. We we're talking about Kirk Cousins as, a, as he's someone who is really, really into his routine and loves his routine. And it was an amazing stat that showed when he plays the one o'clock Eastern time game starts, he's something around like 70% against the spread. 
but it would mm. something that would make him like a top three quarterback in the league. And anytime he's not in that one o'clock Eastern time, sorry, it's down to like twenty five percent. I love that stat. R.J. Bell brings it it's, up every time he talks yeah, about cousins. It's, it's fantastic. It, and and so was that his study, or did he steal it from somebody? It was someone else who who he heard it from. Uh, he was talking about it this week about that guy left his show and is on another show now. But I love that. It, it, it was kind of explaining the idea of Kirk Cousins having folded in some of the big moments and being known as a non-big game QB. Well, the, the big games are played on different times. And that was the explanation that they gave for it was it's not his time. It's not his his normal routine. So I've, I've loved that. I typically – ever since I heard that have always played Minnesota whenever I get a one o'clock start time. And that's what he's got here. We already like the spot. And so with the, the start time now and in Kirk cousins, perfect routine, I think it's a lock. just lock it now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Zach, All right, let's talk about our next matchup here. Last one on the docket, Dallas Cowboys taking on the Kansas city chiefs. The, the chiefs are favored by two and a half points, a 56 over under point total. This is looking to be like the offensive game of the week. It's a game that could possibly just be up and down. You know, last last team to have the football wins type of matchup. Even with the home field advantage, um, you know, with this this spread when you consider home field is kind of suggesting that these teams are on an even playing field to pick them because right now it seems like most lines are being added like two and a half points, maybe two points for home field advantage. So, in your opinion, are the Chiefs and Cowboys? an equal team because that's kind of what this spread is telling me. Um, what are your thoughts with this matchup? Well, I believe we're on different sides of this game. Yeah. That's, that's where I ultimately fell on this. When you're talking about the line says that these are two even teams. And the only way I get to that point is if I weigh really heavily the expectations of, of Kansas city coming into this year because, and how they've actually played these two teams, it's, I feel like it's not even close that Dallas has been significantly the better team in everything statistically and the eye test. I mean, we've been talking over the last month about Kansas City being one of the most disappointing teams in football. And they blow out the Raiders last week who were in my killing me smalls segment for all of the issues they're going for. And that's not enough of a, I feel like that's a little bit of an overreaction A win against a team struggling with all of those, that drama isn't enough for me to, to right away say that they're even with Dallas right now. I think where Kansas city's defense has struggled this year has been against the run. They've been absolutely trampled by running offenses and Dallas can run the football. And I think something else that I really like, I was hearing, an explanation of listening to an explanation of the game last week against Oakland. And they're saying that what has been working well against Kansas city this year, where Kansas city's offense has struggled has been running cover twos where you have your two safeties in a zone and your, your corners are playing man, which is what Dallas does. And Oakland doesn't run cover two. They run a cover three where you have your two corners in, in zone, your, your safety up top in the third zone in the middle and the other safety running Rover. And that typically works well for tight ends. They play in the middle, but Kansas city doesn't really use their tight end, like a tight end. They use Kelsey almost like another wide receiver and they kind of got torched. And as I was watching that game too, I feel like Mahomes 
his final stat line looked great. I feel like there was a few plays that he got away with some pretty risky throws. Yeah. That went to some big plays that he got fortunate with. Dallas's defense has been ball hawks this year. They turn they get turnovers. And if you make risky throws against those types of corners, I like I like Diggs getting an interception right here. I don't know what kind of odds you can get with that, but if there's something as a prop, I like the the idea of Diggs getting a, a pick on this game. Uh, I like Dallas. I don't think I don't think that these are two even teams right now, and the line is saying that, and so I like Dallas. Yeah, uh, and I think Dallas is the smart play here. Um, but when I was looking kind of just at like the overall trends of this game, I noticed that while the Chiefs are kind of thought of as a public team, Dallas is even more so. Dallas is getting bet on like 57 to almost 60% of public bets right now. And I was trying to think of it in a way, well, how can I spin this for the Chiefs? Because I, I, while Dallas is probably the better team on an even field right now, I, I think the Chiefs could be training in a, in a more positive direction and not necessarily in compared to Dallas, but just in general. Um, and, and with the Chiefs this season, what I find most shocking, obviously the defense has been bad. They've been disappointing. Um, but what I find most shocking about them is just this, this performance that Patrick Mahomes has had this year. You, when you look at his stats, it's been it's it's a story of just like some really perplexing statistical ranks here. He's 21st in PFF's pass grade, 21st in yards per attempt, 29th in PFF's big time throw percentage, 16th in passer rating, 29th in completion percentage over expected, 29th. That's shocking. Um, and all that said, he, Kansas City's first in pass success rate. First and total EPA, Mahomes is like he's still like capable of just putting the points up on the board for this team, and it's a complex pitch picture. That's really the only way to explain it is just the fact that Patrick Mahomes, even when he's not playing well, despite the inconsistency, he's still like an elite caliber quarterback, one of the greatest of all time, talent wise, and. I, 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 really, it's come down to just the fact that he's been inaccurate with the football is also just the fact that he's had to take so many risks because the team's been down and, and in close games so often this season. And turnovers, you know, you look, you look at the turnover differentials in these in, in this matchup here. Turnovers are kind of a, mo, a more, more or less a random stat. You know, there is some team influence on these and decision making kind of gets uh, and performance gets kind of impacted on turnover differential but more or less it's kind of a random statistic and in Dallas right now they're tied for seventh the seventh best turnover differential plus five Kansas City is tied for 29th minus eight in in turnover differential according to PFF Patrick Mahomes has thrown 15 turnover worthy plays this season that's tied for the most in the league but Mahomes has also thrown the most pass attempts in the league, 412. He's thrown the ball more than any other quarterback in football. He, Amongst the other quarterbacks that he's tied with in terms of at the top or for turnover-worthy plays, that's Taylor Heineke, Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence. Mahomes has thrown the ball a lot more than all three of those guys. So he has a lower rate of turnover-worthy plays. He's just, he's just had the opportunity to do it more often. And... I just think the the fact that you know turnovers are kind of a random stat. You know, Mahomes is still Mahomes. I, I think some positive regression to the mean in that category specifically is kind of I, it, you can expect that. I think in the second half of the season, I would I would bet that the Chiefs don't finish 29th in turnover differential on the season. I think they're going to finish probably more in the middle. And when you kind of you consider that, you know, we're getting to the second half of the season. These kind of trends are are going to have to start developing quickly. And Kansas City's defensive woes, they've been talked about ad nauseum over the course of the season now. 
Over the last five games, they're 17th in EPA per allowed per play. That's not great, but that's better than 32nd where they were in the first half of the year, earlier in the year. So with that kind of improvement, Dallas, you know, this is easily their toughest opponent since their loss to Tennessee and Buffalo earlier this year. Um, or oh, sorry, not this is Dallas is easily Kansas City's toughest opponent since uh, they, the the Chiefs lost to Tennessee and Buffalo or this year. Um, but I, I think this game looks like a shootout. And the fact is that I still fear, despite all the woes, despite all the struggles, I still am afraid of betting against Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes in a game that kind of projects to be a shootout. Plus, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back in this game, the running back for the Chiefs. I know he hasn't really been a huge difference maker, but he's still a good quality running back. Um, I, I just think that the Chiefs have an opportunity here to remind the, the NFL that the AFC the, the AFC conference still goes through them. They're, they're they're the reigning champions of the AFC. The conference still has to go through them, and Mahomes is capable of leading this offense to some performances. I, I think they're going to score in the high 30s, maybe even break 40. I think this is going to be a shootout of a game, and, and if that's the case, I really like Mahomes in this offense. What's crazy for me, I mean, you're talking too about how much Mahomes has thrown and typically a team that is so pass heavy, you're usually going to show up better in yards per play. Right. And you're compared like, you, yeah. And they're, they're negative on the season. They're negative 0.4 in yards per play, their offense versus defense. And so as I'm looking at it, you I mean, you're looking at two teams that are, I agree. You got two teams that are, are good offensively or have the potential to be very good offensively. And so if I have to bet on a defense in this game, it's going to be Dallas. The Kansas City's defense, I mean, if we're talking about their, the at best are hopefully the average, I just, I like Dallas better. And you know what? The ultimate, the the wild card factor for me, that what this comes down to is Jackson Mahomes. I can't stand Jackson Mahomes and his TikToks dancing. <laughs> you see where he was dancing. The, the Washington football team was retiring Sean Taylor's number, and he's dancing, doing TikTok dances on his number pregame. I did not. And that guy. And Karma's catching up. The, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, have bad karma because of Jackson Mahomes <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend who's tweeting everybody who mentioned something bad. On Twitter, they are a bizarre bunch. The last thing that I think that the Chiefs had the advantage um, on offense over Dallas to kind of thwart the Dallas defense a little bit more effectively. You know, the 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 offensive line for Kansas City has actually been better than Dallas's. Dal- uh, Kansas City is sixth in pass block win rate, sixty six percent. Dallas's offensive line twenty second in pass block win rate, fifty five percent. So, you know, if this comes down to the Chiefs. A defensive pass rush getting to Dak Prescott. I think that's more likely than vice versa. You know, Dallas getting to Mahomes. Um, so I, I think it's a good matchup. And it just I, it's a coin flip of the game. I'm trying to be a little bit contrarian, picking picking the Chiefs. I think they're a team that is getting a little bit uh, slighted in this matchup. And I I just think that this is going to be um, a hell of a game. And, and I'm looking forward. I'm really I'm kind of hoping that I could ride the the Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey triumvirate you know one more time well not one more time but you know what i mean like it's it's been it's been uh a, a few years now where this 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 combination of players has been you know one of the league's best and it's it, it's i think they still have some juice left i hope it's a good game it has all the makings to potentially be a good game yeah um, which makes me think we're gonna be let down because we've had so many matchups like this where it's just like it's they, yeah. they turned to nothing 
Well, hey, the I mean, talking about you know, Dallas typically is one of the most public teams, but Kansas City has been so expensive. They've been the worst team against the spread over the last two seasons because yeah. of how expensive they've been. Yeah, I you know maybe their line has come down a little bit. You have two public teams against each other, and some expectations have come down from their their lack of elite play, but. They have not been good against the spread until they can show me differently. I'm going to lean Dallas. Yeah, I feel you. And I, I don't hate the pick. I think that's a, that's a tough one to pick a side on. Um, and I think it's more or less going to be a good game. And I'm glad we highlighted it. All right, Zach, let, let's roll into our last segment. Connor and I, you go over our DFS lines. We do this really quickly. Kind of just read off our draft Kings lineups. We create a lineup each week. Talk about a little bit of the values for each of our players. Um, and and it's, it ends up being you know, some good advice for our listeners playing DFS. All right, so let me read you my lineup here. I'm going to kick it off with Patrick Mahomes. Like I said, I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm paying $7,600 for him. Um, and you're paying for the guy who throws more than anyone else in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Nick Nick Chubb running back facing the Detroit Lions this week, 7,800. Uh, Cleveland is first in, in rush rate this year, first in rush yardage this year, first in yards per attempt. The offensive line for Cleveland is in the top two or three and adjusted line yards facing Detroit. I think it's going to be a great matchup for Chubb coming back off the COVID list. That's the only worry I have about him. If he has his wind, I think he's going to be in, in, in store for a great game this this week. They looked so gross last week, too. And I don't mm-hmm. want Baker to have to do much against Detroit. They're just going to pound it with Chubb if he's healthy. Yeah. All right. My RB2 spot, I'm going with David Montgomery facing Baltimore this week. 5,500 for Montgomery. Montgomery is uh, just too good of a value here. 5,500 is pretty cheap for him. It's, it's probably ranked out like around what, running back 20 or 25 on the week. Um, and I think that's just too good of a value for him. He's going to get the volume. This is a good matchup against Baltimore. Baltimore's defense has struggled against the run this year. They've allowed, I think, like 20. 21. I'm going off the top of my head. I think like the 21st most points to opposing uh, fantasy running backs this year. And uh, I think Montgomery is in store for a good game here. My, my wide receiver one spot, I'm going Tyreek Hill. It's helpful to get a stack when you have the quarterback and the top receiver. So I'm going to go Tyreek Hill, $8,200. Um, you know, he just, uh, the, the, the talent speaks for itself. He's Tyreek Hill. My wide receiver two. My wide receiver two, I'm, I'm going with the young, the, the kind of the, the name brand, you know this like nobody wants this guy player Brandon Cooks Houston Texans wide receiver top wide receiver for the Texans six thousand for him in a very juicy matchup matchup against the Texans. One thing that DFS um, you know handicappers like to express is the uh, the relationship you know in in coordination with your lineups. And um, while I, I wasn't able to find a Tennessee running back. That I like this week. They 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 often say that you know the the wide receivers for the teams that are you know underdogs, heavy underdogs, are often decent guys to target because the thought is they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So I think Cooks is and you know Tyra Taylor he's probably going to be getting better as he gets healthier off his injury. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot against Tennessee if they're going to stay in this ball game. Um, I like Cooks um, as my, my wide receiver too this week. And then Tyra is much better than Mills definitely in the ball then you got a chance and cooks is really the only significant target he has definitely all right my wide receiver three rashad bateman wide receiver for the baltimore ravens 4500 one of my better values of the week bateman 
Um, I talked about him earlier. Bateman is just a, a guy that I think is going to be getting better and better as the season goes on. He hasn't really, I think, he, I don't think he's caught a touchdown yet. And I think his breakout game's coming. You know, I, it, it, the writing was on the wall against Miami last week on Thursday night. Lamar looks for him often, and he's kind of he's kind of their top talented receiver. When you just kind of the eyeball test of, you look at the receivers and how they perform in the game the Bateman just is always open always working and, and and is a dog when he when he's running his routes and he's very physical um really like him at 4500 the target share is he's he's getting like seven to eight targets each game now and it's kind of a lock for me here just 45 it's it's a, a excellent value and then my tight end I'm gonna go with Adam Troutman tight end for the New Orleans Saints the reason I'm going with Troutman is first off he's only 3300 dollars and second off is He's been a target hog ever since Trevor Simeon took over. I think he's got at least six targets in each of his last three games. His uh, he, he his efficiency is going up over the last couple weeks as well. I think he's bound to catch a touchdown at some point soon. He hasn't he hasn't uh, this season, I don't think, or, or not. He he had earlier, but in the last couple weeks he hasn't. And uh, Philadelphia is a good matchup for him. The the pass defense for Philly is not good, and uh, I think Troutman's in the store for a good a good matchup. Only thirty three hundred. In my flex spot, I'm going with Jeff Wilson Jr. Scheduled to start for uh, the 49ers at the running back position, based off against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that fantasy champion Jeff Wilson Jr.? Yeah, fantasy champion Jeff Wilson Jr. Fifty one hundred dollars. He is a fantasy champion. That is that is verified. Um, <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars are a really really bad defense. Um, you know, they, it's kind of surprising how well they did against the, the the Colts and the Buffalo Bills, but I'm not buying it just yet. They're 28th in DVOA on the season, and uh, Jeff Wilson's going to get all the volume he can handle. You know, no no um, Eliza Mitchell, no Jamichael Hasty, no you know, still no um, what what more uh, Mostert, Mostert. Can't, couldn't remember his name for a second. Um, no Frank Gore. <laughs> no Frank Gore. Yeah, this uh, this San Francisco backfield is depleted, uh, and I, I just think you know Jeff Wilson's going to get all the work he can handle, and it's going to be a good good matchup for him. And then at the defense spot, I'm going with the Houston Texans. I'm saving money. They're the cheapest defense of the week. Was able to get kind of a, a more valuable lineup across the board. But really, I, I think there's an opportunity for the Texans to maybe win this ball game. Zach and I kind of both like the Texans as a possible underdog this week, at least to cover their spread. And I think there's an opportunity for them to maybe get a, a turnover or two. I think that this game's going to be kind of a sloppy one. And for the cheapest defense in the NFL this week, I think they're not that. I think there are some worse matchups here. And uh, just $2,000 for the Houston Texans D, I think, was worth it. Well, you got, you, again, we've been talking about no Derrick Henry, no Julio Jones. You're going to have to rely on Tannehill to do something. And um, the Titans got, I think, a bye next week. They're coming up, or no? No, tech, the Titans have um, New England. Is it next week? Yeah. Sunday the twenty eighth. I'm looking at it right now. Then who did Buffalo have? Because I saw that. Goodbye. <laughs> Not sure. I, I I don't know. I don't know the upcoming schedule for either team. No, uh, Buffalo's got a. I was wrong about that spot earlier. Buffalo has got a, a, a Thanksgiving game against the Saints next week. Do, yeah, Tennessee's got New England next week. That's going to be a big game. And you got you got Vrabel going back against his old team right there. 
this is, I feel like, an easy look-ahead spot. Or if Tennessee wins the game, they're not going to, I feel like, run up a score. They might just run the football. Yeah. Don't worry about that mistake earlier. I, I never make mistakes on this podcast, but it's okay if I guess you, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me read. Let me quickly read Connor's lineup. He submitted a lineup from Germany, um, and want me. I'm, I'm going to read it off for everybody really quickly. Just going to go through his list. Dak Prescott. But can you read it? Hold on. In but German. Can you read it in a German accent. I'm not even going to insult the German people with the with uh, Connor's t- lineup, y'all. Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, Doc is like the easiest Doc, one. Doc, yeah. Doc. McCaffrey. <laughs> 8,900 for McCaffrey. Uh, he has David Montgomery, 5,500 as well. C.D. Lamb, 7,600. T. Higgins, 5,400. Pringle, Byron Pringle, 3,400 for the Chiefs. Tyler Conklin, tight end for the Minnesota Vikings, 3,900. Miles Gaskin, 5,700. The Minnesota Vikings defense, 2,300. Keep an eye out for Connor's DFS article. I think he's going to be able to get up this week, but we'll see just based on the schedule. He's doing this like a, a he's he's training like a whole work team out in Germany, making the big bucks for his company. So uh, wish him luck there. But he's really letting us down over at ATA. So he's got to keep his quota up on his DFS lineups. I feel disappointed. <laughs> With the ways Zach performed on his podcast, he really let us down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach, I, I appreciate you doing this with me, buddy. Um, we're, you know, ha- over halfway through the season. You know, you're doing good. You're, uh, you're improving on your your picks against the spreads. I hope uh, I was able to help you with a little bit of the analysis here, and uh, we'll 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 get get you back on track. And um, you know, I, I think. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you, how are you doing your fantasy football? Zach and I, neither of us are doing. A, we're in one league with fantasy football together. He's actually in the ATA league. Um, but how are you doing in general with your fantasy football this year? Fantasy football has been great. I am in six leagues because I have a problem. <laughs> um, but I am a top three team in four of the six. Nice. And you're, list, good, you're listening to good. Connor and I on a weekly basis to get the advice, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Every time, every time Connor isn't in Germany... I listen. <laughs> I love it. All right, Zach, any, anything uh, you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, I like your DFS. <laughs> I appreciate you listening to Vicious Talk with Zachy P. <laughs> should, we, we, should I rename this episode to Vicious Talk with Zachy P? Just, uh, just for shits and gigs? <laughs> S and G's. Yeah, it, that's what it was. It was Vicious Talk. With Zachy P featuring Benny P. <laughs> You're on my LP. You're like featuring Ludacris. <laughs> That's hilarious. We'll rebrand it. We're gonna create some shirts, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get people uh, vicious talk with Zachy P shirts. I want a bucket hat. <laughs> Connor Connor made a promise to people in our, in our last podcast, and I, I don't think anybody followed through to our listeners. He made a promise, and I'm, I'm going to extend it to this week. If you message us at All Things Analysis on Instagram, Connor will send you free merchandise, a free shirt, a free hat, something along those lines. If you just mention him that you like the podcast and you send us a picture of a five-star rating on Spotify or something along those lines and Apple Podcast, just show us some support for the podcast, and Connor will send you some free merchandise for All Things Analysis. 
it's, it's oh, free, yeah. free stuff. Who doesn't like free stuff? I love free stuff. I only ever get free stuff. I would drive maybe like 15 minutes out of my way for free stuff. Yes. <laughs> not, not, it depends not, on what it is. Not 16. I would drive 15 minutes for an all things analysis bucket hats. <laughs> bucket hats. I don't even know if that's on our website. Wait, my, my, that might have to be part of our merchandise, our next uh, merchandise rollout. I won't ever wear it, but apparently they're in. <laughs> our sister I likes students, them. High school students like bucket hats. Oh, well, if Michaela likes them, then I'm out. Never mind. <laughs> Poor Michaela. All right. <laughs> Zach, that's gonna do it. Episode ninety-two. We're Connor and I are cl- closing in on a hundred. You. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna do live for your hundredth? Well, we're brainstorming ideas. If you have anything, you if you have any ideas, let us know. We'll be happy to hear you out. Um, Maybe you could do your hundredth live on Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli. It's a good idea. You think they'd have us? I mean, they had Phil Mickelson and Al <laughs> Michaels last week, so you guys are right there with them. Right there. Yeah. So maybe I mean, they don't want repeat guests. Yeah, right? I think, I think so they've have, already gone through all of their A lists. I'm gonna have my people reach out to their people, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. You yeah. guys, I mean, you might be on their. List. Yeah, we're probably like next up. A list, H list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. All right, go to allthingsanalysis.com. Check out our power rankings. We're gonna have our picks against the spread column. Um, probably releasing that Sunday morning. And uh, we're gonna be doing best bets. I, I'm doing I've been doing my best bets. I've been doing I've been hot and cold on those. Like I'll nail almost at least one or two a week, and then I'll have one or two. I'll like one maybe. Like I was dead wrong about Tampa Bay last week, um, but there are there are some times where like I'll just barely miss like a parlay or a teaser, and, and those are those are the ones that kill you. But um, overall, I think it, I'm definitely net positive on the year. So keep keep reading those. Um, I'm gonna be keep getting better as well as you know the more data under your belt, the easier it is to kind of analyze this stuff from a gambling perspective. Um, also, you know, ATA, like I said, message Connor. We'll get you some free stuff. Also, go to all things. Um, sorry, go to go to uh, rate, subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P on all your podcast platforms: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud podcast one we're on all we're all of them so really appreciate all the support there um we've been doing good on the season and we're gonna keep it going zach thanks for doing this with me really appreciate you filling in and and taking the time out of your it's been it's been a late friday night we're gonna let let the dad go get some sleep and uh, we're gonna hope for a good week 10 yeah man thanks for having me see you ben (laughs) i love it zach don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day Are you vicious?